Hello and welcome to this special edition podcast brought to you by PodPod and Campaign. I'm Adam Shepherd, editor of PodPod, and I'm joined today by Campaign Media Editor Bo Jackson and PodPod reporter Reem McCurry. We've got something very special for you today, an exclusive crossover collaboration with the hosts of Goalhanger's smash hit The Rest Is franchise. Last week, we had our inaugural podcast advertising summit in London, supported by headline sponsors Spotify, who brought together Gary Lineker, Alistair Campbell, Steph McGovern and Marina Hyde for a live podcast recording as part of its partnership with Goalhanger. You'll be hearing from them very shortly, but before that, Bo and Reem, how did you guys enjoy the summit? Uh, I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah, I loved I, it. It was great. Like, people were really into it. We had a lot of networking sessions in between the panels and the fireside chats, and it was a really great way to kind of see what people were thinking, and uh, people were really learning. And I think what what they realized is that because it's such a new industry, mm-hmm. uh, everyone who's on stage and everyone who's in the audience, they're all on the, on on the, the same, same level, level, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's they, they, there's no kind of um, fear of like, oh, you're behind on, on what the podcast advertising world is doing. You're just kind of learning along as you go, which I thought was really great. I think as a, as a kind of crash course for me as well into the world of podcast advertising, it was invaluable. And it, it feels like such an exciting part of advertising, like it's fresh and I'm fairly fresh to the to advertising as well, so it was great to hear about that, hear about the ideas and the experimentation rather than in a lot of other, you know, types of media. You've It's been going a very long time, so you've got a very set way of doing things, and I guess it's harder to... It's harder to innovate in something like TV or mm-hmm. in, in radio, but also to talk again about the power of audio and how even though it's a restricted it, you're restricted in lots of ways because obviously you've got no visual cues but how that does unlock a lot of creativity in what people are doing with it which was uh, very exciting to hear about mm. it's always really interesting to hear about the work that goes on in podcasting and the variety of different sort of approaches that that people are exploring with it one of the highlights for me was a panel that we had with Fresh Air on the uh, work that they did with Wendy's, a sort of mm-hmm. sponsored spoof true crime thing. That was really fun, that actually. Was really, really fun. Good. But also, Dino Myers Lamptey from the barbershop gave a really, really invigorating presentation around podcast measurement and the need for some kind of universal measurement, like a podcast equivalent of the Ray Jars for radio or Barb in tv and it's something that resonated with a huge amount of certainly the the speakers a lot of whom brought it up in kind of subsequent sessions but also the audience as well i spoke to quite a few attendees after that session who were really echoing dino's kind of dino's calls that we need something like this to help build advertiser confidence in you know increasing their investment in the industry and they love to measure, mm. don't they? They love to measure. They want to see the receipts of what they're doing. And I think another exciting part of it was talk about advertising on smaller podcasts and, mm. and unlocking that eventually. Like if you start getting able to measure it or have some kind of independent body for that kind of thing, then advertisers might be able to tap into your smaller podcast, which would be really exciting for all of those makers as well mm. who are out there just doing very niche stuff, but there's still potential to earn more income from it, I thought. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest barriers to podcast advertising at the minute is that the process of it is still quite complex for advertisers, partly because you don't have that established kind of, you know, playbook and process and the established kind of frameworks like Barb and Radar and whatnot for gauging whether or not it's an effective channel for you to be putting your your budgets into in the first place so i think making the process simpler and more straightforward and more you know universal uh, is going to be a big step in in unlocking that growth i also think uh, having having that will also allow advertisers to experiment a bit more and i think one one of the takeaways for me from the event was that 
creativity was a big deal for a lot of the speakers. And, and I think we're going to start seeing more advertisers lean into that creativity and trying things that are out of the ordinary and working more collaboratively with the hosts of podcasts and trying to figure out which brand really aligns with their identity and making an effective campaign that really works for the both of them. So hopefully we're going to see more of that. It certainly seemed like a lot of a lot of what the panelists' overriding message was was like take a chance because mm. it pays off. Like mm. I can't remember the the phrasing that they used, but basically they were saying it's kind of when you really hit it and you really get it right, it's a cheap way to create this awareness and and unlock certain markets at the moment because of, of of its infancy. But you can really make it work and. Um, interesting to see, I think it was Vicky who from Lloyd's um, who says that they spend like 25% of their uh, audio budget on podcasts, which mm. is perhaps the other end of the scale to a lot of the people that were there, but um, it seems to be paying off for them and they're, you know, quite a big brand so it'd be great to see others Absolutely. joining in. Well, speaking of people that are making podcasts pay for them let's hear from Goal Hangers hosts with The Rest Is Great Content. A special thank you again to Spotify Advertising for making it happen and to all of our other commercial partners for the event, Fresh Air, Octave Audio, Publicist Media and AMA. quid is that all <laughs> um, um, hello everyone um, lovely to see you all thanks for coming and um, thanks for waiting late in the day to, to listen to us um, goal hanger um, it was a, a, a business we started well originally as a, a sports production company with my partner Tony who's on the front row and we branched out into the podcast world when I did one with Danny Baker called Behind Closed Doors. I think it was about 2016. Um, we thought, mm, maybe there's something in this podcast world. And um, it's, I think it's safe to say it's grown a little uh, since then. Um, we branched out away from um, sport um, when we did the... Um, podcast called We Have Ways of Making You Talk with Al Murray and uh, James Holland. Uh, then we got Tom Holland, James's brother, on board and did The Rest Is History. And, well, The Rest Is History. So um, we're thinking of bringing one about sleep, actually, uh, just, just to call it The Rest Is Rest. Um, um, so I'm, I don't want to waffle on too long. Um, I, I, I come to, and I can't do that sales pitch that was so brilliantly done before about you, you need to, you know, you need to sponsor our podcasts and all that. And I'm, I'm not going to try and get you to do that, but please do. Uh, please do. Um, it will be massively appreciated, and we'll, we'll, we'll give you value for money. I mean, there's so many big things coming up this year as well. Of course, there's um, certainly in my world. There's the European Championship, which will be huge and an incredible opportunity for advertising um, um, there's never any shortage of, of news um, in terms of um, politics with um, Alistair and Rory um, that's going on all the time there's, and this year there's so many elections aren't they all over the democratic part of the world um, not just here but America and, and lots of other countries as too and these are subjects that we'll talk about over the next uh, 40 minutes or so um, Money, the rest is money. Um, Steph manages to work with Robert Peston, which um, <laughs> who I'm does occasionally allowed to speak. Yeah, he, he, he does need a little editing. Yeah. Um, uh, does Robert? But it's great. And and, ag and again, I think in in terms of it, it's another area, isn't it, where there's always something to talk about. You know, whether it's inflation on the way up or on the way down, and mortgages and all that sort of stuff, as well. We can talk about that and where the economy is. And um, our, our latest edition, um, Ma Marina, who, um, who co-hosts with Richard Osman, um, the rest is entertainment, and, and it is, I think, great entertainment. And the insider knowledge that they have is, um, is, is so unique and, and, and so enjoyable. We can talk about um, maybe the traitors and, and um, things like that. <laughs> no, spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> well, you, well, you don't know yet, though, do you, anyway? We know what something happened last night because you might not have all caught up with it, so I'll be very... We can talk in general That's terms about the traitors. spoiler, though, if it happened last night. <laughs> well, I, if, anyway. if they haven't caught up, Gary, I think that is actually okay. a spoiler. <laughs> But this is, yeah, this but is the sort of fault. expert knowledge you get on the pod. It's their fault, though, isn't it? 
Can we talk about the end of succession? Is that uh, if someone's not caught up? I mean, somebody said to I said something about the end of succession, and someone was like, "What?" I was like, "It's in the title. It's <laughs> <laughs> it does what it says on the tin." Okay, right. Um, yeah, let's get cracking. We're gonna, uh, as we said, we're gonna be mash them up, so we'll go all over the place um, because we've. I think we're all pretty much interested in each other's subjects. Um, I try and stay out of politics, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do a great job of it. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a huge uh, year in terms of of, of elections, um, Alistair, isn't it? And um, I mean, everyone wants to know um, who's going to win, and I think I think we know who's going to win the UK one probably. But I think we've got a better clue on Russia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a done deal. That yeah. one. Yeah. I think India's pretty um, nailed on. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you lot. So, who Arms thinks... Up. Yeah, I think hands up, yeah. I'll give you Starmer, Sunak, Starmer or somebody else for Britain. So, hands up if you think Sunak's Prime Minister in a year. Quite a few people just went... Didn't they? Hands up, Keir Starmer. Hands up, somebody else, maybe? Okay. Well, that's unanimous. And um, can we now welcome, please, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rest is has been. Um, <laughs> Now, what about America? You can have Biden, Trump, or somebody else. Oh. Is this what they think it'll be or what they want? What they think it will be. What, not they, what they think want. it will be. If you, think, if you want Trump, you can fuck off now. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't, and we don't want your sponsorship either. Um, he doesn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Steph will take it. Steph, Steph, Steph will take, yeah, yeah, yeah. take out the rest of his money. Right, hands up who thinks Biden in a year's time. Hands up, Trump. Oh, oh dear, that's worrying, isn't it? You see, and that, that what's really interesting about that, that mm. has definitely moved in recent weeks. Mm. A, w a few weeks ago, you wouldn't have had that. And I think what's moved is this sort of sense of no matter what he does, he has got a very large base of support. Now, I still think, if I had to put my life on it, I think Biden will win. And the reason I think that is I think I think there's a, we've, we just interviewed yesterday a guy called Tucker Eskew. He was a well-known Republican, a strategist, and he he thinks Biden's going to win because he actually thinks there are more and more people within those people that Trump needs to win over who are actually getting more and more revolted. But it's not a done deal for Biden. And the truth is, the I think the American population would prefer that he wasn't standing because of the age thing. Um, but Joe Biden's says to himself, I've done it and I can do it again. And I'll tell you who is one of the most powerful people in the world right now, because she's the only person who could actually make it happen, that's his missus. Uh, and I don't think she's going to do that. So I think it's going to be Biden v. Trump. It's going to be an awful year because of that. Um, but if I had to put my life on it, I'd say Joe will win. What would, what would a, a Trump victory mean in terms of economy and stuff like that, do you think? Um, bad news. Yeah, I really? Think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because he's so irrational, isn't he? And the thing that businesses need more than anything is certainty. And, you know, we've seen the chaos, the you know, all the different party leaders and various minister positions changing have done in this country. But in America, because Trump is so out there with his policies and what he wants to do, that can just cause chaos in the market. So, and, you know, we, we always say, don't we, if if uh, if America sneezes, we get a cold. And it's so true. We, you know, we're, all of our economies are so interlinked. So it's a massive problem. Marina, how many columns you've written about Trump? Oh, God, I fear there's so many more coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, uh, the, the, yes, I mean, it, it, you see something different every time, though, in some ways, Gary. I, I think it's, it's very difficult talking about how to write about him at all, actually. And it's obviously been a huge thing of, like, how do we cover this guy? How do we... You have to report it straight, and there's been a huge sort of... Oh, backlash already against people saying, well, he's really bad, we can't even write about him. But I'm afraid if you're standing to be the president of the United States, they're going to just have to completely yeah. cover it. But it's it's really, it's quite extraordinary that people are still trying to kind of gatekeep what they're going to say about it. I actually think that's part of the problem that 
got, got them into it in the first place. I, I once had to interview Trump and um, it, it was one of those times in your life where, you know, you know, whenever someone thinks they're important. I don't know why I was looking at you then, no, actually, no. Alistair. But, <laughs> but they... they okay, 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 so this, is, this is a woman who, in the green room, keeps stroking my arm. Because he's got, he's got a jacket on that's like fuzzy felt. It's Do you remember fuzzy felt yeah. at school? <laughs> it's yeah. like that. But um, he had an, obviously a massive entourage with him. He had a stylist with him as well, Trump, would you believe? Anyway, but you, you always get told whenever you're about to interview someone who thinks they're important, you know, what you can and can't ask. And, and I remember um, that his advisor said to me, you've got 10 minutes as soon as Trump walks in and the 10 minutes start as, literally as soon as he steps in. And don't ask him about his ex-wife and don't ask him about his hair. And you know, that's instant when we as journalists go, right, last question, what does your ex-wife think about your hair? <laughs> and, um, but he did, he did, when he walked in the room, he did kind of command the room. It was weird. As much mm. as I thought he was a twat, he, he like, he did still Ooh. come in oh, with yeah. a presence and a power and a, a sense of everyone wanted to yeah. hear what he was saying. I tell you guy, I think, I think we've got to be really careful with Trump this year, because, and, and especially with all this fake news and artificial intelligence stuff, the way that it, is effective is that they link it to humor. Mm. Um, and I, I get worried going out about, around about how, how, mu how much people still laugh about Trump, the way we used to laugh about Johnson, saying, oh, well, he's quite funny. And I don't know if any of you caught up, you've been in here all day in this really interesting cinema, um, <laughs> but if, if you caught up with the speech he's just made, which is, it's fascist. Yeah. The guy's a fascist. Mm. I mean, he's literally saying that from day one, he's going to, he's back on this sort of drain the swamp thing, but he's with specifics. You know, I'm going to root out all these corrupt bureaucrats in the intelligence services who've tried to ruin my campaign. I mean, it's, it's paranoid, but it's kind of deliberately paranoid. And I think it's, it's he's literally, he's signaling what he's going to do. And the fact that you have millions of people across America who think, I don't care what he says, I'm going to back this guy. And on the economy, by the way, the problem with that is that I think Joe Biden did a great job in the Inflation Reduction Act, and, and it has yeah, actually yeah. had some effect, yeah. but, it, but people aren't feeling it. Mm. So but the, his, his, all the th great things he's done, are, 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 will be, the benefits will be reaped in so many more years, whereas now yeah. that's the trouble. He's not going to do... I am interested in what you say, though, about what do you think about... How do you think he's going to stand up to the election campaign, Biden? Joe. Yeah. Well, the thing about... I mean, if you remember the first we election it? campaign... Well, <laughs> the first election campaign, if you remember, because of COVID, he literally could stay in his garage in Delaware. <clears throat> so he didn't have to do that campaigning. Bill Clinton once said that American presidential campaigns is the only activity that makes every single person look like their passport photo. Yeah. It is <laughs> utterly exhausting. And the thing Trump has got is energy. He does have energy. And, you know, they'll be preserving Biden's energy because you need so much energy. Huh? So I think you'll find it hard. Uh, but don't you it? feel... Uh, oh, sorry. I was oh, going to say, but don't you feel like every time he goes out on stage <clears> now and even does a short address that you can feel off stage the aides with their yeah, mouths in their mouth thinking, just get through it without saying something actually crazy. Let, just get through it. It's it's quite difficult. I, yeah. I, and it, you get so found out by the exhaustion over that yeah. many months. I, but do you know the thing with, his, with the way he walks? People get really upset about the way he walks, right? It's actually not a kind of old person thing. When he was a younger man, a bit like me now, he had a really bad knee and he never got it fixed. And so he's never had it fixed. And now one of his knees doesn't work properly. So he's trotting along the stage, looking like he's going to fall over. But Trump, you see, when Trump does the kind of demented stuff, yeah. which he does a lot of, yeah. it's sort of priced in. Yeah. How, how, how have we ended up in a situation in a country like America with, with two kind of doddery blokes and that are struggling a little bit, probably? Well, partly the cost of the campaign. You, you, it's so, you know, it's, we're talking about billion-dollar campaigns now. So you have to, you, that's, that narrows the gene pool. I also think that, you know, we, we, most of the people in this room, when you think about America, we think about the East Coast and the West Coast. America is a very, very different country, and it's a very, very diverse country. And this polarisation that's happened, um, you can kind of see how that has happened in America, and you can see how it's been driven to this. And what polarisation does is it opens the door to people on the extremes. So Trump is an extremist. And it used to be the extremists got spat out, and now they don't. They get ventilated. Uh, one last question on politics before we move on. Um, when do you think the UK election will be? I mean, I don't know. I think that the only thing that... I wouldn't rule out May. No, would I. I wouldn't rule out May. Theresa May? Uh, <laughs> I, I would, listen, I'd have her back in like a shot. <coughs> um, 
<laughs> I mean, isn't it amazing that we now look at John Major and Theresa May and think, oh, my God, they were brilliant. Um, <laughs> but the thing about what's going on now, if you think about what he did, he did the, he did the national insurance cuts. They brought forward the budget to March the 6th. They're going to do tax cuts, which I'm not sure is going to go down that well with people. I think people are just sick of them, want rid of them. I hope. But I think that it's still... So May is still in play. I think if he suddenly did find a kind of an uplift... And we're probably going to talk next week. Somebody just sent me these graphs of elections that have happened in the last year. It is amazing how conventional wisdoms are getting turned on their head in the last few weeks of campaigns. In terms of the polling. Yeah, where, you know, so like, for example, I mean, Theresa May is a good example. Theresa May called that election. She was absolutely home and dry. Um, the Australian referendum, you know, they were home and dry when they called it and then they lost it. Uh, the Spanish election, um, the, we've, we've had, you know, election after election, Scottish election, last Scottish elections, where the conventional wisdom gets turned on its head in the last few weeks. Now, I'm not saying that will happen, but I think the last real, the last thing Sunak's really got is ele element of surprise. And the only surprise he's got now, I think, is to go when people don't expect it, which is May. But, isn't but I think it'll probably be October. But isn't, aren't they waiting for, to see whether inflation falls? Like, isn't this about, yeah. they want to have, you know, a couple of rate cuts maybe, yeah. which are now looking less likely, but it, it's about the feel-good factor. He's, he's hoping that we might yeah, feel but the a thing bit about, better. Yeah, the thing about, as the great Gary Kasparov said, waiting, f <laughs> waiting for other events to happen that you, which you have no control is not a strategy. Yeah, because it might go the other way. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think he is... Look, if you remember John Major in 97, he, kind of, he, he definitely got into that place of let's wait to see if something turns yeah. up, and it didn't. Okay, well, that's checkmate. On politics, as you mentioned, Casper. Oh, that was one of those jokes. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, if, they're always if, better if on Monday. If you ever have to explain the link, you know it's ear. not worked. So um, <laughs> let's talk about money, money, money. Um, actually, I, I wanted to start actually on something that you discussed on on the podcast yeah. with, with with Robert, and that's about the the post office scandal. Yes. And, and how surprised were you by all that? Yeah, no, it's really interesting this because actually the post office scandal is one that Robert and I had been both covered over the years before it ever came out on telly and I know Marina you'll be great on this that it was really interesting that it took a TV show for the nation to you know for the government to actually do something about it for Fujitsu to be held to account which they're kind of not yet but you know they were, it, there's something like Fujitsu were given 150 government contracts yeah after the scandal so they already knew and you know we're talking about a system this horizon system that was used by the post office submasters that was causing them loads of problems and making them look fraudulent this was used to try and solve a social security problem in the 90s that they had and it didn't work and it cost the taxpayers 720 million pounds but they still resurrected it um, in 1999 to be used in the post offices and no and I just find it so staggering that no one thought hang on we've got hundreds of people here now thousands of people are all saying they can't work this kit there were problems with this kit before the post offices even used it but hang on it's going to take Toby Jones or whatever to do a drama about it before we'll actually sort it out which shows the power I guess you've talked about it on your yeah. podcast haven't you I mean telling. I think it, I think it's really amazing that um also having covered this story for also quite a long time and you know it just it was really hard to set it alight and it was very complicated and also, obviously people hear the story you know like IT problem or and they, yeah. they just sort of glaze over I when I first heard about it with ITV did, were doing it and I was wondering how on earth the screenwriter was going to manage to do it because it is really hard with the material I think she did the most amazing job yeah and there were I know someone who's going to direct it and thought maybe it wouldn't be interesting enough or whatever it is but it, I really that was the only way you could do it to make it a human story and she did it in the most brilliant way and it was so clear to understand what had happened and the idea that drama can do that to me is just fantastic mm. i mean and it makes you think god let's be brave on the drama commissions because mm. there's so many other things you mm. could be doing at. do you know if you go up to cover the uh, post office inquiry if you go up to the place where they're having it you come out of the lift if you turn right you get to the post office inquiry if you turn left there's a sign that says infected blood inquiry mm. so i mean that is pretty you know the loan charge scandal there are all these yeah. things that people you know if you can make something out of an it disaster and make it as compelling as that. That, that is ITV's biggest watch drama yeah. of the year and that will be by a million miles. Didn't these sort of things used to be covered more by the investigative journalism of newspapers? Well, yeah, mm. and I think there was a big failing in, in so, so much of the media. Private Eye were incredible. Yeah. Computer Weekly, a journalist called Rebecca Thompson who started it all there. But it was niche and, you know, it was hard to get it on the BBC. It was um, so hard to Nick, get it on. Nick Wallace yeah. will tell you, you know, who's written a really great book about it. <coughs> Um, and they used 
used him for the um, for the ITV drama. He would try and get it on, and he could he couldn't really get it on local news programs, even when it was happening to sort of local postmasters, and it was really difficult. Uh, it was, it's an extraordinary tale. It's so extraordinary that it was covered on all three of your podcasts, yeah. Ooh, wasn't it? Yeah. You you covered it yeah. as well with Roy. Yeah. Well, it was. It, listen, it's a it's a massive political story, and and, and I, I I'm with Marina on this. I think it's great that culture can do can do that, and and I think that it shouldn't have to. Though, no, it shouldn't it? have to. But you see, this is the other thing that's happened in our in our culture i think newspapers are being kind of slowly yeah. killed off yeah. um they investigative journalists there, there aren't that many of them for for and, and the other thing we've we've got this kind of right wing sort of lens on most of our media so there, these stories they don't register with them there's i'll give you a, there's, i'll give you a classic example today there's a story um, that I just saw in the car coming here that open democracy have done. Okay, so as yeah. soon as I say open democracy, the right wing media go, well, we're dismissing that because they're kind of, you know, woke, left wing, etc. The story is, you remember when Suella Braverman went to Rwanda and checked those houses out? Yeah. The, 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 the asylum seekers were going to get flown to if this policy ever got off the ground, which it won't. So she goes there, she gets oodles of coverage, okay? It turns out they've been sold. They've been sold. I always thought right. they were doing that anyway. I always thought they had just well, I mean, one house so, and were like, yeah, so, yeah, when you finally send right, people. You, yeah, you, no, we've got loads more yeah. like this. Please, yeah. <laughs> just get them on exactly. the plane. They're never going to get them on so, the plane. So, so do you sense that Rwanda are laughing at? Oh, yeah, they're laughing at money. But the point, my point is, if we had genuinely a frank, free, fearless media, that would be on the news tonight. It won't. And so you mentioned the infected blood scandal. The infected blood scandal has been going on for years. Yeah. And do you know what's happening at the moment? The Tories are delaying it and delaying it and delaying it because they know it's going to cost the government an absolute fortune. So there are, we, we, all get, we all pat ourselves on the bank, back and say, you say that the government's finally doing something. They're not doing much. Yeah. They're not doing much. And, you know, this goes back to our time. It goes through our, the whole period we were in power as well, where stuff like this, it's like if you don't have... This is why the media, I'm afraid, has remained so important in our country. If you don't have... The front page is screaming it out. The broadcasters doing the big documentaries. There's so much going on in the world, it just gets forgotten. And I'm desperate, desperate for Toby Jones yeah. to make a series yeah. about Brexit. <laughs> Who is he in it? Hey? Who is he in it? I think he could yeah. be Dominic Cummings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steph, before we, we, yeah. we switch... Going to jail. <laughs> before we switch subjects, um, two questions. What's going to happen with inflation and yeah. people's mortgages? Yeah, that's what everyone always wants to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, the, yeah, I know that's well, it's a bit like you knowing what's going to happen in the election, isn't it? You think you think it's going one way, and then something like the Red Sea, um, you yeah. know, attacks happen, and and that's my bit. You know, I talk a lot on the podcast about my beef with monetary policy and the way we use interest rates to control inflation because I don't think that really works, given how globalization and all of the inputs into inflation and not domestic so therefore how can we us controlling consumer spending really control inflation so that's my big beef i row about that with uh, robert peston all the time or as robin the frog he's called in my phone um robin we, the frog <laughs> yeah why because we did we did pointless together and he you know the show pointless richard osmond show and um he uh, <laughs> yeah one one of the other things he's making loads of money from and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah the future is books yeah yeah and uh, anyway long story short he, one of the questions was to do with name the relatives of Kermit the Frog, and Robert knew that one of them was Rob, Robin the Frog. So and so, yeah, that's how he ended up as Robin the Frog. So anyway, in answer to the go. inflation question, <laughs> you're now all glad you came, aren't you? <laughs> it's not that interesting, is it? And uh, yeah, so I think. It was looking like inflation was starting to come down a bit, but given what's happening in the Red Sea, so this is the 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 Houthi attacks there from the Yemen, uh, all to do with what's going on uh, with Israel and Gaza, and so all of that, these attacks on these ships, and these ships are carrying incredible amounts of goods between Europe and and Asia. It's the kind of quickest route round. And that then that's not happening at the moment. And that's about 15% of global trade. And we've already heard supermarket bosses and the like saying prices are probably going to have to go up because of it. So inflation, I think, is is going to carry on kind of where it isn't going up a bit, which means they probably won't cut interest rates. My argument would be, though, 
they're not connected, so they should bloody cut them. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. I think we'd all agree That's with that. It's a revolutionary yeah. economic theory. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Shall we, shall we change the subject to something that's... Um, Traitors. A, a really brilliant, <laughs> a really brilliant um, subject for podcasts, and that's football. Mm. Um, it, we've got the European Championships coming in, in the summer, Marina, and um, they will attract the biggest audience figures um, on television in the year. They always does when it's a major championship. When England play games, there'll be you know early stages, 13, 15, 17 million. It will build, if they get to the knockout stage, to, into the 20s. Why is it that, that sport is the one thing that can keep um, those kind of numbers? Well, you, you, well unlike, uh, not like the likely lads, you, you will find out the results. So you, you really want to gather around <laughs> and everyone watch yeah. it at once and be together. And also... I don't know, there's something about, isn't there a summer football tournament in the right time zone where you can just get, I mean, I think it will just, it will be, it's great that it's in the good time zone. Yeah, it, it'll be thrilling. Now then, um, I don't want to cause any angst here, but um, Steph, you're a Middlesbrough fan. Yes. Marina, you're a Chelsea fan. Oh, great, is there a Smuggy in the room? Get in. <laughs> there's hey. a Smuggy in the room. I am, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know she is. I realised that was insulting from me, sorry. <laughs> So obviously two nights ago, your team's... Uh, I'm trying to distract you from that. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. We got absolutely... Sm Are you a Chelsea fan? I'm sorry to say. Oh, my God, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the game? I did go yeah. to the game. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me you were saying that. Yeah, I, I went to the game. So my ma I'm a Borough fan, but my mum is a really hardcore football fan. She travels everywhere with them. So we went to the Chelsea game and uh, we ended up sitting next to who uh, the MP for Middlesbrough South who happens to be Simon Clark, uh, Sir Simon Clark. Uh, I'm sure you don't agree with that, sir, but or anything. So he was in politics for he'd been in politics for five years when he got the knighthood and done nothing. Yeah. Well, he did. He. Well, he helped. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention Boris Johnson's ass, but <laughs> yeah, no. not we, a good we, thing. We didn't don't. need to. What about no. Elizabeth Truss's? <laughs> was he a Truss? Yeah. Was he Truss's resignation yeah. orders? Mm. Oh, was he okay? Um, yes, yeah, so I was sat next to him, but it was at the point when he just started this fight trying to get Rishi um, out. And so, but I didn't really have, you never get phone signal at football matches, unless you're Gary. I mean, you probably do, don't you? Well, sorry. Yeah. I've only been in the business 30 years and I forgot to raise my mic. I'm so used to having clip mics. Um, these things are really... I was, Even when I moved it in the FA Cup final with one of these because we were doing it during COVID, so we were outside and it's, you have to use these because um, the little mics we normally use on our lapels are just not... They won't pick it up. And I remember interviewing one, one of the players at the end of the Cup final and I've asked him a question and he's... And he started to talk, and I thought, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> I said, it's not the first time I've, I've, I've ever done that. Um, I, I, I really want to ask you um, um, about this, Alistair, with the European Championship coming up. Um, England are going to win it, aren't they? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, England will never win a tournament in my lifetime. We fell out once, didn't we? Uh, uh, slightly, slightly. Did, because you wrote a column about cheerleading ob about England no, in I the tournament. It. Yeah, I did, yeah. In and I, I said, no, hang on a minute. We, 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 we don't. We're more low-key than that, than, we, than any, pretty much any country. No, it world. wasn't about the cheerleading. Uh, by the way, I think you've got a lot better, right? <laughs> but oh, what it was about... Thank you. Just remember, I'm your boss. <laughs> what it was about... <laughs> I can change things. Listen, I've, I've, I've dealt with more powerful bosses than you. Um, <laughs> That, that, that I, would, I, I would accept. <laughs> no, but it, no, what it was, what I think sometimes is that, and it, it is difficult for, for the BBC because the BBC is England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Correct. And there are a lot of, I, I'm, look, I'm a Burnley fan, but I'm also a massive Scotland fan, so I will be going to see Scotland beat Germany in the first game. Um, but I just think sometimes when, because you are driving up these figures and bringing the country together, I think sometimes it's really hard to understand. Whether we like it or not, there are quite a lot of your fellow citizens who don't really want England to do very well. Well, I totally understand that. Yeah. So it gets very, very difficult. So no, I think you're a great broadcaster, Gary, and I love you a lot. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think England I don't think England will win, no. No. Um, I don't know. I think, think France got a real will win. Chance. I think France or Spain will win, yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Spain. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I need to need to find a striker, don't they? Who do they you do? think's gonna win? Um I <laughs> I mean, they're so hard to win these tournaments, but I would say um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't France, England. One outsider, they're not that much of an outsider, would be Portugal. Right. Mm. I'd certainly put Portugal ahead of uh, probably Spain. Spain. Yeah. 
mm. and uh, even Italy. Now, wish England all the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind. That's the, that, the, the rest is running up. That's important. Yeah. Um, I mean, you love your football, don't you? You write about football quite often. I, I used to write about yeah. so much more, but I don't do it so much. Why now not? Because, well, the politics became such a sort of psychodrama that I was sucked into it full yeah. time. And that's another Brexit benefit, that you don't have to read me on football any longer. But yeah. I was sucked into it sort of full time. And then... Um, but I miss it. I miss going to the tournaments and I miss covering it like that. I, the, I would... Maybe when the children are a bit bigger, I'll go back yeah. out. Well, you're busy doing podcasts now. Yes, anyway, so, I'm so. Na- a grindstone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> will, will, will Burnley stay up? That's what everyone wants to know in here. Do they? Hmm? Should we have a show of hands? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, whatever you do. I think, I think it's going to be tricky. I think it's going to be tricky. We, we, but, you know, I, st- I hope if we do go down that we still keep old Vince. He's good, he's all right. Yeah? Yeah. As you know, Tony, my mm. partner in this business, um, but the other partner here is Jack's here as well, so I don't want to upset you, Jack. Yeah, Tony okay. is a big Burnley There's, fan. There are three of us. There are three of us. He's a Burnley fan as yeah. well. I don't think he shares your... No. I, I think he's kind of given up a bit on Vincent. Yeah, I know he has. But Gary, the thing you've got to learn about Tony, he's not very loyal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not at all. Um, Gareth Southgate. But, I mean, he divides opinion a little bit. And I think, I think what he's done is turned an England team into a very competitive. Um, and I always think that in tournaments, if you keep knocking on the door, eventually we'll get a bit of luck because you do need that at some point in a tournament. And he's not really had that so far. But some people think he's, he's too nice. I think he's done an amazing job so overall do I. in terms of, you know, turning the... I, I mean, I don't know whether anyone's seen the play Dear England, England yeah. which mm. I, I, I think... I mean, it's quite it's insane really that like, yeah. the, probably the leading playwright of our generation, apart from maybe Jack Thorne, has mm. written a play about him that's been a massive smash, that opened at the National, then has gone to the West End and been a massive smash. A lot of people spent quite a lot of the last few years saying at, depended didn't matter who the prime minister was i wish gareth was instead yeah exactly, <laughs> i mean yeah. he's uh, you know he's not to everybody's taste but you're never ever going to be in that job and i think it's worse than ever yeah. nowadays in lots of ways mm. because of social media and all sorts of different things i think he's done an incredible job yeah. and yes i agree it, with the right bit of luck he could be totally in there and i disagree with you that they won't win a tournament ever in your lifetime yeah. honestly it's the business impact on all of this is amazing as well like waistcoat sales during <laughs> yes <Gareth> <laughs> Times. Never mind shirts. So. Yeah, <laughs> but it is from a from a you know you're talking about the impact in terms of the number of people watching telly at the same time. But then all of the impact of you know it impacts supermarket sales. It impacts obviously pub sales. It's mm. it's incredibly uplift, and you'll see that genuinely in the figures. It will give an uplift in the economy at that mm. time. Uh, the other thing I think about Gareth Southgate. I mean, we, one of the things this country's really really struggled for in recent years is leadership. Yeah. And the thing about him, he's a leader. And he makes, he makes part of the country feel better about itself. And so I don't think we should underestimate that. I actually think that play is, is a piece of genius. Mm. To do a play about football... I, I have one criticism. Go on. The guy that played me, his accent was more Nottingham than Yeah, Leicester. it was. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that, yeah. I mean, you lived in Leicester. We went to school together. Yeah, we did. You know that, anyone? Yeah, we, Alistair and I, we went to school together. Um, I'm a bit older. And he didn't realise it was a grammar school until I interviewed him recently. Oh, no, you interviewed no, yeah, me on reading. No, 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 yeah. and he it wasn't didn't, a grammar no, school it was when I left. Gra- it was a grammar That's school. That's brilliant. He Not did. when I... L- it was a grammar. No, I left after you. And it was still a grammar school then. As well. You are older than me, Alistair. That's <laughs> true. Not yeah, a lot. Yeah. Three years above me, weren't you? It was one well, of the so you were there at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was probably oh, wow. the best footballer in the school. <laughs> were there any Until I arrived. Yeah. Emil Heskey. Emil Heskey. Emil Heskey went there as well. footballer and the best cricketer. Definitely. Yeah. No, Carl Jays was. I wasn't. Were you allowed Carl Jays was a goalkeeper. Yeah, but he was also a good cricketer. <laughs> yeah, but I was much better. Oh, okay. <laughs> Were you allowed to play on the school team? Because I went to school with Jonathan Woodgate and he was such an arrogant twat, he wasn't allowed to play on the school <laughs> team. Really? Uh, we didn't have a rule at, at, at our school about you're not allowed to play if you're an arrogant twat. Yeah. Otherwise, obviously, I wouldn't have played. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't and have also, had a, I don't a know, Jonathan in. Woodgate yeah. now. He could be a lovely guy now. I'm just covering. He's he is a lovely guy. Yeah, is he? He is. I've worked with him. Yeah, he seemed a really, really nice guy. Actually, good, genuinely so. So he's changed. We all change as we get older. (laughs) Some of us for the better, and and others not so. Let's talk about for the for the last um, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes, whatever it is of of entertainment. Now that I mean, all of these your 
well, ours is a bit more specific, I suppose, but politics goes everywhere, money goes all in everywhere. But entertainment, I mean, that's a broad church. But that's what's so nice about it. Mm. When, when I first started doing this pod, I was thinking it would actually be really fun because the world is quite bleak at the moment. And this is all the things that people escape to, like books, movies, TV. So I thought to do the fun things in a darkening world would be... And how, how have you found it working with Richard? Oh. And, and are I you mean, enjoying it? I mean, he is the dream to talk to Richard Osman for a, a, however many hours a week. I absolutely love it. No, he's absolutely brilliant. I He couldn't be easier. I have found it really, really fun. I'm surprised how much fun I've found it and that we have to just sort of shut ourselves off each week because there are too many things to talk about. Too many dramas yeah. well, across all the drama. <laughs> yeah, well, well, people do love it. Uh, no question about that. And um, uh, do, do you have you followed? I was into. I was listening to the. Uh, funny, you did a what, about a seventeen-minute special. I won't call it that word that you no, don't like. We don't say emergency, emergency pod. I did notice that <laughs> you didn't. I, like I'm it. not that. You did honest. seventeen minutes on the the traitors, right? And I, I have to admit, I have not Gary. seen. I could have done a tight forty. I understand minute. that. My point being that I've. I've not spent one single minute watching the traitors. I've missed it but for various reasons. I actually, I actually do some work. Um, <laughs> that's a lie. I am working that's on watching traitors. That's a complete lie. But I, I was still enthralled by the 17 minutes, <laughs> and I didn't know who the hell you were talking about. <laughs> so I think that's a quite good thing. But please tell everybody so they can go and have a little bet because you can bet on these things. Who's going to win the thing? God, Without I giving know. any spoilers. I away. am not going to give any spoilers because I have not even caught up with last night, which I'm about to. Um, I want Harry to win the traitors. Mm. I want him to. But Hold I on a minute. Who wants Harry to win the traitors? I, oh. I fear he's gone a little bit Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit Tony Montana out there with it. Yeah, so. Apart from Gary and yeah. me, who has not seen any of it? Quite a few. You would say that's probably a fair representation third, yeah. of how. Uh, about you know, 50%. because. Uh, what what numbers is it doing, Marina? Well, it's getting about I don't know, like four and a half million now on. Li but catch up makes it all different. Yeah, of course, it's, di it's different. But it's now. getting four. Yeah. And a, I yeah. think about four and a half million live. Yeah. But I have to check what lot yeah. last night. Up. It, it's it's like match of the day now. The the papers try and twist it that you don't get the audiences that you used to get. Well, you don't. <laughs> not not live, but but yeah, it, it, you get not a, you, way back. But it actually it's actually bizarre for a for yeah. a program that just does highlights. I watched the Sunday one. Yeah, mm. so that's one. But added up, and and I think Match Today pretty much tops the um, catch up on iPlayer every week, like mm. an extra two million people. Mm. So there are different ways of, of viewing things now, which also comes under the world yeah. of entertainment, doesn't it, Steph? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, I haven't seen last night's Traitor, but I'm totally hooked on it. And I think mm. I am someone though. Do you want to tell us? Go and spoil it for us. <laughs> do you know? Do you actually know as well? No, last I night unfortunately she knows. do know what oh, happens, but thing. I won't. Spoil. Well, that's do why you? Then it's spoiled for me. You know what happens? In, no, what happened in that? No, no, I don't know what happens. Oh, I'm gonna say, wow. That would Crystal be like ball. no, no. It would have to be handcuffed to my brief. You know, with one of the handcuffed briefcases with the secrets in it. It's the nuclear football. No, you can't know what happens in Traitors. No, but it, it is interesting how people now don't know what channel they're really watching anymore, though. Do you think yeah. that? Because, you know, if someone says to me, what are you, is this brilliant drama's on, what channel is it on? Is or what my mum always says to me. And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. Who cares what channel it's on? And that's yeah. interesting. Do, do they deliberately wobble those pictures when they've had enough of us? Was that, <laughs> Did it just I, wobble? I, was that a sign? The, the whole thing just went a bit wobbly. It, yeah, I, I, th I think that meant shock. Oh, well, according to that, we've got three minutes, 37 seconds. Well, you know, the, you were talking about the betting there. You know the biggest betting market in world history? What, what Elections, surely. The last American election. Oh, was it? Mm. Yeah, and this year will be even bigger. Did yeah. they, and did the, who won on that sense of, like, did the gambling companies win? Did many people? Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a spoiler. Thanks, Gary. Sorry, for those of you who don't know, that was just kidding. He didn't. He didn't. But did I don't the know. betting firms, you don't know how... No, he's got a lot, lot, lots of betting with big bets with each other and stuff, but it was the biggest betting market in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. The betting industry is something we're going to be talking about on the podcast soon as well, because it's incredible the amount yeah. of money they make. Well, Bet365, oh. which is yeah. the highest paid person in Britain. Now, Britain. Yeah, yeah, Denise yeah. Coates. Highest, highest taxpayer as well, though. Yeah. At, least she, at least she's not trying to smuggle it yeah. out. Of the I mean, I have a slight issue with, um, with, with gambling and because I... With gambling companies, Ooh, the way they entice young stick, stick, stick to politics. Oh, shut up! I oh, shut up! I oh, shut up! I oh, shut up! It's just a hobby. Lilica calls for, for gambling lives have been ruined completely by it. But anyway, <laughs> by gambling addictions. But but if you want to sponsor any of um, <laughs> those three pods, no, we would we we, we wouldn't do. I don't know about the rest of it, but we wouldn't do gambling. I don't think. Yeah. Alcohol. No. Not having it. Oh. What would we do? What would we do? 
Uh, Alistair. Hands up. Alistair, just shut just up now. Yeah. <laughs> Listing yeah, advertising you wouldn't take. And yeah, also right. the rest of the money will do any of them. And if you, do, if you like donated drinking, to the Tory party. I like a good bet. Ah <laughs> 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 oh dear, who... No, I, right, who... I, I gave you the info before we came in here. Now, who would you like to sponsor the um, podcast? I like people who want to change the world for the better. Oh. I do. I'll tell you what, by the way, are, are, are lots of you advertisers then? Is that what you do? Yeah. Oh, well, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether you're a podcast or what. So I was at a thing, or is anybody here from Leo Burnett? No. I was at a thing with Leo Burnett last week. <laughs> and it was really interesting because they did this um, polling uh, called Listen to the Listeners, where they go out and they're basically just talking to people who, taxi drivers, landlords in pubs, hairdressers, beauticians, and then they reported back every week over a period of time for what their customers were saying about the state of the world. And then at the end of it, their, their big finding was that the, the adjective which came out top was hopeful, oh. despite oh. the world feeling like yeah. it's going to shit. It and I think, that is, I think that's something that we all... Because we do try and be positive even when we're very, very, very negative. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we want hopeful brands. I agree. And I, come and yeah, because I, I would say even in times... You know, obviously I was talking about some of the, the negative things in the economy, but it's also the time when you get amazing entrepreneurs starting up, like lots of people who are who often made redundant from jobs and things might be the people who then set up amazing companies. So there is a lot of optimism in that sense of business yep. too. There's a podcast there, the rest is hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and creatively... Adversity is often very, very yeah. stimulating, and people come up with amazing things. And as you, have you seen, with some just some of the dramas we talked about today. So, well, the clock is ticking down, and I, I have this thing because um, I do a lot of live television where I have to hit a count. Um, normally, I've got 17, the 17, no, 16, I, I know what I've 15, got. 15. So, 14. I'd, I'd just like to take this opportunity of thanking you all. 10. Um, for Nine, coming along today. Alistair, thank seven, you. Steph, thanks six, very much. Marina. But five, before we go, let's see the four, Premier League table. Three, three, that's another two, show. That's one, it. Goodbye. <laughs> thanks all. That was the hosts of Goalhangers The Rest Is franchise with a fantastic four-way session on anything and everything, including a bunch of predictions for 2024. And one of the things that really jumped out at me about that session is how much there is going on over the rest of this year in terms of things like major sporting events, huge amounts going on in the world of politics, continued uh, excitement, let's say, in the world of finance, uh, not to mention a huge amount in the world of entertainment. And all of that together creates a buffet of options for advertisers to invest in and to have built into their kind of content calendar in terms of major campaigns. And it's a, it's a really exciting prospect for any podcasters that are in and around those spaces to kind of try and leverage with potential brands and partners. Well, what stood out for me for that session was, first of all, how tall Alistair Campbell was. <laughs> I've never been in the same room with him, um, and I did not expect him to be that tall. Um, and also, I was really excited to see how well they would work together, considering they all come from different podcasts. Um, but they they all just integrated so naturally. They all had that sense of humor, and they all really presented the identity of their podcast to the room. Mm. And I think that they spoke con so confidently about the areas that they specialize in, but they were also able to speak so confidently about what their other co-hosts um, talk about. And then towards the end of the session, they started speaking to the room and not just speaking to each other and speaking mm. to the advertisers in the room and talking about them sp sp sponsoring their podcasts. Um, and I think Alistair Campbell said that um, we we're not going to take on any sponsorships from uh, was it drug companies and alcohol it's, um, brands? It's gambling brands and alcohol brands that he said were were sort of red lines for the rest is politics, which I think is is really interesting, and I think it's something that you're getting a lot more in podcasting than perhaps in other mediums. Is the podcasters and the kind of the talent being much more firm about who they want to partner with in terms of 
brands and being much more sort of purposeful about their partnerships. And I'm I'm not something I'm not sure if that's something that you get in the same way in other mediums. Bo, is that something that's sort of you know relatively commonplace or? Um, you you do get a bit of it, of course, but I think obviously one of the resounding messages of the summit was that it only works where it makes sense. It's so much about people mm. and the people that are your hosts. But when you're sponsoring a TV show or something, you're not exactly holding every single actor in that show accountable for mm. what the what the sponsor supports, you know, are you? So um, I think that is an interesting, perhaps, anomaly as a, as a medium. Mm. Also, tr- trust is a big thing between podcast listeners and podcast hosts. And as soon as they lose that trust in the host, if they know that they're vouching for a brand that they don't align with and it's something that their audiences don't align with, it's very easy to break that trust and they're not going to be listening to any of their other recommendations or they're less likely to be listening to their other recommendations. So it's very, very important to make sure that they identify and and align with which brand they're vouching for. And that's why advertisers want to be there, isn't it? They know that their hosts have this trust with their audience, so that's why it would make sense to be there. Mm. So we've had Goal Hanger for this year's Podcast Advertising Summit. Who would you guys like to see as the closing session for next year's summit? For me, I would absolutely love to see, and it's a bit of a cliche, but I would love to to get another shot interviewing uh, my dad wrote a porno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a fabulous, fabulous cast. And, you know, in terms of chemistry, just so, so strong. I was going to say some something comedy because that is basically all I listen to. Like I, I listen to the Guilty Feminist. That's my go-to podcast. Mm. Um, and my other my other thing was going to be Kirsty Young just because she's got probably the best voice yes. in radio. Absolutely, and you know someone that's that's dabbled in the world of podcasting a fair amount over the last couple of years. Maybe my diary of a CEO. Oh, yes. Stephen Bartlett. I mean, I really don't know if he'd say yes. Big win. Big, big win. But it would be really, really interesting to hear his thoughts on which type of brands he'd work. Because I know he did like an Uber um, sponsorship on the podcast a while back. Um, And uh, so I'm very very interested to hear his thoughts on that. I don't know if if he'll say yes, but if you're listening, doubt it. But if you are, (laughs) um, please say yes. Uh, Well, Stephen, if you are listening, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, That's all we've got time for, unfortunately, for this special episode. Thanks once again to Spotify for sponsoring the summit and bringing together such fantastic talent. Thanks also to our other sponsors for the event, Fresh Air, Octave Audio, Publicist Media and AMA. Thanks to Goalhanger for joining us at the event. Thanks to Bo and Reem for joining me in the studio. And thanks to all of you for listening. We will see you next week.